We're going to be reading this morning from the Old Testament, um, 2 Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, if you want to turn with me. Again, the first uh, nine verses this morning. I'm going to be reading from the, the New Living Translation, um, simply just because I, I like the way it reads to, to bring this out. It's clear of itself, and, and I, God willing, will be able to break uh, down what I see in it. But the reading of it, I find, is clear, uh, clear in, in the New Living Translation. If you're taking notes this morning, which I would encourage, um, God will speak clearly to you if you take notes. He will put stuff into your heart and spirit. It'll it'll help you greatly in your own personal walk, and especially when there's effort made to to give you stuff to take home that that you can grow as a man or woman of God. So I want to encourage you to do that in the future, just to really take notes, and it will help you in your spiritual walk. The theme this morning is discipleship, um, personal disciplines that are found in the man of God, the prophet of God, and and I guess we all want to be used of God and be, to be prophets, if you like, people that make a difference, that speak into, into the lives that are lost, the Word of God. But with, with the calling it comes some disciplines that, that we have to incorporate. It's not legalism. It's not works, although it kind of is. It's not works for salvation. It's works for that calling, for that, for that anointing, and, and it's right through Scripture, and it's certainly here this morning. Now, there's no condemnation with some of these things that we're going to bring out, but uh, it's education, and it's something that we're going to see was a reality for the Old Testament saints, and, and certainly a reality for the New Testament saints, and it's stuff that, that I see in my own heart, uh, and my own life, and I know there's, in moments there's been many of these disciplines that I've had to fight, and I'm confident that you too will, will recognize this in your own life this morning. So, but, but that's the theme. It's personal disciplines in the man and the woman of God. Just before we start, just some, some um, context. We, we read last week, first, well, we didn't read, but we looked at last week, 1 Kings 19, 19. And it's there we see that Elisha uh, is called by God and to lay down his life, if you like, and to follow him. And what we, we, we read was after he receives Elijah's mantle for that higher calling. He pursued his calling. And the encouragement last week was to pursue your calling as the people of God. Don't just settle for what you have. Pursue more that higher calling that we have. The place where God has planted you, you're not there just to make other people money. You're placed there to be a light and a witness and a higher calling. That's the place of the church. And if we just get caught up on going to work to, to, to get the dead man's dream of a high, high retirement plan, we've missed our mark, and we've missed our, our higher calling. But he pursued it, and, and that's what we were encouraged to do last week, to pursue our calling. <clears throat> now, we're told that Elisha, um, he puts things right at home. He, he says goodbye to his parents, and we're told he ran after Elijah. He pursued that calling. He, he didn't hesitate, and we looked at for eight or ten years. Elisha followed Elijah, and that means he was discipled by him. That's what I want to bring out to you this morning. That there's training, there's proving, and there's testing of the people of God. And God does that. And here we see that this man was trained, and he was tried, and he was tested uh, by Elijah. So Elijah, if you like, took him under his wing. And this is what he taught him. He taught him how to be a man of God. Now listen, he didn't teach him just how to be a prophet. He taught him how to be a man of God. Because you can't be a prophet if you can't be a man of God. You can't be a prophetess if you can't be a woman of God. There's disciplines. There's a path that we must follow. Amen. And this is encouraging because the church wants to go the path of the Lord. He wants to follow in his footsteps. 
and thank God today that much of Elisa's journey is recorded here for us to glean from and to learn from. That we too can be taught how to be faithful men and, and women of God. Amen. So today we're going to be looking closely at uh, Elijah's discipleship class, if you like, um, how he trained this man. And it's, it's fascinating when you see it, and you will see it in a moment. And we're going to consider the testing of this man, the proving of this man, and the preparation for Elisha before Elijah would be taken up and Elisha would carry on um, that mantle, this higher calling, this ministry. So, Father, as we come um, together this morning, Father, we pray for clarity of mind. God, I pray you would help me this morning to be clear, Lord, that your people would leave here, God, not confused, but, Lord, enlightened and encouraged and by your word. That, Father, we would each, Lord, individually hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit into our hearts, Lord, to bring us on and to help us through, Lord, that we would find ourselves, Lord, quickened and encouraged, even excited by what we're going to see today. Father, for those that have, have, have some of these things to still put right in their life, Father, I pray there would be a freedom for them, Lord, to step into what it is you're calling them to do, that, Lord, your voice would be heard above all things. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would season, God, each word that would be spoken through me this morning. Lord, my desire isn't to be heard, but, Lord, to share and encourage and to build up your church through the Scriptures. And, Lord, I pray that you would help me and anoint me and bless me, and, Lord, that these words would enrich and feed your flock, O oh God, that we would be a, a people that would rise up with courage, God, and faith to, to trust you in these days. And, Lord, to open our mouths, God, and to share what it is you've done for us and what you can do for others. So, Lord, pray, we pray, God, that you would be with us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let us read together then verse 1, Second Kings chapter 2, verse 1. Now, as I'm reading this, as we're reading this, understand that there's certain things to help you here. I want you to really see this, because I've been in meetings before when the minister starts to read, I go into a trance. Please don't go into a trance, all right? Because there's things here that if you begin to see, they'll excite you. They will, I promise you. So what Elijah is going to tell Elisha now to do, he needs to do the opposite. There's something to help you as we're reading this morning. And if he doesn't do the opposite, there's something wrong with this man's life. The man's not ready, and you have to see, if you see this at the outset, it should excite you. So bear in mind, everything that Elijah's going to tell Elisha to do, he shouldn't do it. Is that all right? That'll hopefully help us, and then we'll look at that, we'll break that down. So let us read, read together then. So when the Lord was about to take Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling to Gilgal, and Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Now remember, do the opposite. Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they both went down to Bethel. Verse 3. Then a group of prophets come. The group of prophets from Bethel said to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. But be quiet about it. Then Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha again replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And so they went together on to Jericho. Verse 5. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? 
Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet. Then Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go down to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Verse 7, 50 men from the group of the prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together, struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. And when they came to the other side, Elijah says to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. Praise God, and we'll, we'll end the reading there. Amen. Wonderful story, this, and I pray that God opened your eyes to this this morning. And listen, the church, like Elisha, is to run after the things of God. It's not a coincidence there's so many things that come our way to, to take us in different directions, to, to get our attention. And the word spoken over us as a church this way is one of courage, and it's one of faith. And, and this is for you and I. This is going to be a year for personal courage, personal faith, maybe witnessing in our home place and our families this year. We've done a lot of witnessing out, outside last year. This could be a year where we, those around us, we, 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 in our workplaces, that we have courage to pursue after the calling that we will be a light. Now, the church is called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to learn from him, to be discipled under the preaching of the word of God. And what we see here, Elisha learned from Elijah. And for a, a period of time, in around six to eight years, he walked the path of a prophet. He, he, he was under the, the, the influence, and, and he, he was taught things, and he's seen how things was done. This was preparing him, listen, not only to serve God as a prophet, but ultimately to walk with God. Because what good's a prophet if he can't walk with God? What good's a, a church, a Christian, if they don't know how to walk with God, but they're going to witness to others? It's absolutely foolish. But how can we tell others the way of God if we ourselves walk in the way of the transgressor? And that's what we see here. There, there's, there's not just a training to be a prophet, but how he must walk with God in his own personal life. Because all who walk with God will without doubt be used by him. And what we see in our text is, Elisha, um, if you like, is being tested, that's what I see it as, by Elijah, to see where he is in his own personal walk. It's, it's really interesting. Because we're told that before Elijah is taken, he says these things. So this isn't a preparation. Is this man ready for that higher calling? to test his perseverance, his love for God, his, to test his obedience to the Word of God and to test where he is with his walk with God. Do you know in ministry you can lose your walk with God? And, and I've seen it, and I come out of college myself like it. I come out cold. And in with a blazing fire, I come out cold and, and, and a wee bit disorientated and perhaps just wasn't sure. It's a dry, dry place. I was expecting to be like an oasis. and It's a place of academia and there's not much room for the, for the Spirit of God in them settings. And I've seen men, men actually turn around and not even walk God after coming out of them places. And I used to think they were of the devil. And then I realized perhaps there's more of a testing. It's, it's a testing, it's a sieving out. Um, for, for men to go in and, and do what they're going to do, it's a lonely call to be a prophet. And we see this with this man. This man needs to be ready. And he needs to know, and, and, and Elisha, Elijah needs to know when he goes, that the, Elisha's going to respond to the enemy. And he's going to be able to serve God on his own and trust God in his life. 
So the first lesson that, I, that I've seen here I want to bring out to you this morning, and there will be slides as we go along, just, just them sentences, them title heads to help you. The first thing I see is Elijah, Elisha, sorry, he's encouraged by Elijah to stay away from the meeting house. Stay away from the meeting house. Look at verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven, Elisha, or Elijah up to heaven, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Look at, listen to the word, stay here. For I, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. And I thought this was interesting because the word Bethel in Hebrew means house of God. And here we see that Elisha's love for God is being tested. Elijah was going to the house of God, but he gives Elisha the opportunity to stay away from the house of God. And you know what I realized? How often the enemy tempts the people of God to stay away from the house of God. Don't think I haven't been tempted. In fact, most Tuesday nights in my old church and in our meeting, there was always something else that come my way that, that pulled me. Or there was an awful tiredness come upon me. Yet you mentioned go to the feeding house. <laughs> I'd be there before you. That's the way it is. And how often the old temptation comes to the people of God to stay away. And he often presents to us opportunity to do, to do just that. Church, to be the man or woman of God that God's called you to be, to, to walk on that higher calling, here's the thing, we must resist the temptation to stay away from God's house. And thank God we've got full houses. This is not a, a cheap dig. This is what the Bible teaches. Understand, this is as much for me and you and for every Christian. Not to stay away, resist this urge to stay away from God's house. And here Elijah is, is testing Elisha's first and foremost love for God. Because many people get a love for the platform, a love for the ministry, but in the process they lose their love for God. And it's important, and it's very important that, that the prophets, especially the ministers of God, don't lose their love for God in their pursuit of ministry. And so too for the church. His love for God's people was being tested and his love for God's house. And this was all to discern if this man was ready for this higher calling. Elisha, this is basically what he said, I'm going to Bethel, God's house, now you stay here. But Elisha, thank God, was having none of it. Because not even the great prophet Elijah could entice him to stay away from God's house. Elisha passed the test. How do we know that? We're told they both went down to Bethel together. You see, he passed the test. He passed the test. And I pray that we too will pass the test. The second lesson this morning, the test that I've seen, now, this comes from the prophets themselves, from Bethel. These are proven men of God. These men know what it is to stand the storm. These men are proven, and they're about to test the young man. Listen to what they say. <clears throat> A group of prophets from Bethel, men who are proven, came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord is about to take your master away from you? Do you know? This title is Walk in Your Own Gifting. Be you, church, walk in your own gifting. Be you. These prophets in the life of Elisha began to call into question his very ministry, to test his faith, his pers perseverance, and his calling. For years, Elisha walked under the protection and the covering of Elijah. And this man was mighty, understand, and he was about to take on his position. This man raised the dead. He stood against wicked kings. He wasn't quietened like we are today, silenced in fear to speak. When a man claims to be a woman when he's clearly not, we, it's easier just to agree because of the wrath that comes. There's fear because that's what enemy, the enemy does. 
He confuses and he sows fear into the lives of the people. How can you be a prophet of God if we succumb to the fear? If we acknowledge that a man is a woman when he's a man and them sorts of nonsense. A prophet can't do them things. He might lose his job. He might lose his home. He might lose his friends. But can a prophet be a prophet if he goes the way of the transgressor or he stands for God? And here's what we're seeing. This man stood against King Ahab and Jezebel. He stood against the evils of the day. In fact, his prayers controlled the weather. And he parted the seas as Moses did. This man was mighty. And this man was about to stand in his shoes. Now the pressure was being placed by these prophets on Elisha to prove his calling. And what these prophets were saying to Elisha in a language that we will understand is this. Elisha, how are you going to be able to fill this man's shoes? This man's about to go and you're going to be stood by yourself. Church, how are you going to be used of God? How are you going to stand and be a witness in your home? How are you going to be a light in your workplace? For who are you? You're not in the safety of your minister or, of your, or in your church, are you? Who are you? You see? Do you see what's happening here? Will you be able to fill this man's shoes, the prophets asked. But thank God, Elisha was cute enough. And he recognized, you know, did you recognize it this morning? The Hevite spirit. Did you recognize it? We've been teaching on it. This, what was whispering smallness into the ears of Elisha. What are you going to do, Elisha, when he's gone? When we, you, stand in there? Don't underestimate the power of the Hivite spirit. And what does he say? Be quiet. Be quiet. He discerned the Hivite spirit and he told it and he rebuked it and he silenced it. Alicia was trained, listen, and we need to be trained in this to walk on our own callings and giftings. Don't pretend to be anyone else or try to be. Be who God has called you to be. Because what you will find is he's called you and gifted you to be who you are. Amen? Amen, is that right? And I've seen it in ministers many times. And I had a fight at my own life in my earlier days. Didn't know how to be the man that God was calling me to be. So I looked around me and I maybe walked a wee bit like certain people or, or tried to talk a wee bit like certain people. Till one day I nearly died with exhaustion. Don't die with exhaustion. Step off whoever you're pretending to be, be you, because you'll find that through you is wonderful. The person who God has called you to be is mighty, and he's called you to reach people that I and people like me will never reach, because you alone have been called to do it. Amen? So the greatest lesson we can learn is to walk on our own giftings. The third lesson then is this, as disciples, remember this is discipleship that, that Elisha has been tested on, is the communion table, and it's seen in verse 4, Revisit Calvary, the place of victory. And verse 4 says this, Then Elijah says to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. Now, we know that Jericho is the first place of victory for Israel when they entered the promised land of Canaan. You know where God brought the walls down. And what I say is this, that the prophet must not forget to visit the place of victory. For you and I, that's the cross. Elisha, is going to face many giants in his ministry. And at times he's going to even question his calling, and people's going to question his calling, as these prophets did. And, and Elijah is teaching him the importance of visiting Jericho, because that's the place of great victory in the life of the believer. Because you and I in our own strength are absolutely defeated and weak. But in his strength, we're mighty. And that's what the Bible teaches us. John the Baptist says, I must decrease that he may increase. And we often say that as a wee cliche, but listen, when the spiritual man and woman gets hold of that, they actually do decrease. 
and he does actually increase in their lives. And church, there will be times for you and I when we will um, at times perhaps question or even question our salvation, let alone our calling. There's been times where, where, where there's been such a coldness has entered in that we can sometimes feel are we even saved. And we know this to be true. It's the fleshly man. But it's, it's why we are told to break bread as often as we meet together, to go to Calvary, um, to go to Jericho, to visit that place of victory in the life of the believer. Now, communion is a, a reminder to the church about the cross. It's nothing else. It's a reminder of that finished work. It's where we get our victory. When somebody says to you, sure, who are you? Well, I'm nobody. You know, when, when, when we are questioned about are we perfect, no, but he is. You know, it's, it's, it's his merit that we trust on. Um, if any Christian doesn't realize they're a wretched man or woman, they're, they're slightly unhinged. The Apostle Paul cried out quite clearly, oh, wretched man am I, who is going to save me from this body of sin? It wasn't his spirit, his body of sin. And he said, thank God, Christ Jesus. So the place of our victory on sin and death is found at the cross at Jericho. Think of that lovely hymn where Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's why we must visit the place of communion regularly to remember that in his finished work are we able to serve and be a minister and a witness to this world. So revisit Calvary often. Walk in his righteousness for he alone is sinless and perfect, and we must trust in him. Amen. Now, the fourth lesson is in verse 5. I trust this is in being helpful to you this morning. Now, this is a very important lesson, and one that you all will, will understand this morning, and it's being taught to Alicia, and it's verse 5, and here's the important word, keep. Keep walking in your own giftings. Keep, keep being you. It's a repeat. Now, here's a group of prophets this time from Jericho. Again, proven men, men who know God, know the wrestle, and they're testing them. And they say this to Elisha, did you know that the Lord is about to take your master away from you today? And here again, Elisha's ministry is being called into question, his anointing, who he is as a person is being highlighted. Do you really believe that you're able to do what this man can do? Do you really believe that you, you we, you, are able to minister to people? And see them saved? Well, the answer is yes. But unfortunately, the, the enemy knows that we tend to go with the other. And here again, we see this, this being called into question. And the lesson is this. The Hivite spirit. Now listen, this Hivite spirit, it's not just tickly ear teaching. It's a fact of reality in the life of the believer. The Hivite spirit whispers smallness into our ears. And the one who does this is relentless. And that's why the prophets come a second time to challenge this man, because it's relentless. Who are you, Elisha? What can you do for a God when your master's taken away, the one that you were shadowing under, or under his shadow? How can, how can Christ use you for who are you? Only a weak man or woman. And here's the thing, at the cross, the weak Christian finds strength and victory. At the cross, the Hivite spirit that whispers into our ear must go, and it loses its power. And Elisha answers the prophets. He says, of course I know. Of course I know who I am. Of course I know that he's going. He says, be quiet. Again, he speaks to that whispering spirit that tells you of your no worth. 
that highlights your shortfallings and failings. And, and church, keep walking. That word keep is important. Keep walking in your calling. Keep being you. Resist the urge to imitate or copy somebody else. Be you because you're wonderfully and perfectly made and designed to be who God has called you to be. Thank God, church, we should be amen at that. There's freedom in that. There's freedom. Because you're perfect as you are. And your calling is a wonderful calling. And that what I've noticed in my own heart and I've seen in, in countless other Christians, they, they're very good at seeing the giftings in others, but absolutely blinded to their own giftings. Isn't that fair to say? They can't, we can't see our own uh, giftings. We can't see how we're a blessing of God. And, but we look, we look to others and go, like, how, how are they such a light? Don't, don't allow that. And tell it to be quiet. Tell it to be quiet. Now, if the third lesson today was communion, then the fifth lesson in discipleship is water baptism. Look at verse, five, verse 6, water baptism. Now, the only two sacraments instituted by, by Jesus to the early church, it was bread, breaking bread together on water baptism. And I just want to say this morning, if you're not uh, yet baptized and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we, we, were going to, we are planning to do a service later on in the year. And I have placed a, a, a bit of paper, a form in the foyer to your right-hand side, the pen and all is there. Write your name down if you'd like to be baptized, fill in the details, or just put your name in contact, and I will be in touch with you, and we will arrange that uh, in, in a few months ahead. So, so verse 6, let's read it together. Then Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Now, we know the Jordan River points us to water baptism. Uh, baptism, it speaks of our old man being buried and the new man rising up in Christ. The Apostle Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And church, if you want to be used of God, you need to be able to say that. It's no longer I. It's no longer I, but it's Christ. But there's certain things need to go in your life, Neil. Oh, I know, but, but me, but it's no longer I. Paul had to beat himself. We, would, we don't encourage that, but he had to beat his body to keep it into subjection. You understand that there's, there's a wrestle to walk the path of the righteous. And depending on where we want to go and how we want to be a youth of God will depend on the level that we will walk on that path. But Elisha must pass through the waters of baptism. And this is symbolic of dying to himself and, 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 and rising up and walking in this higher calling that's been given to him. And look at, I love his reply. He says, I will never leave you. And so they both went on to the Jordan River. And here's what we see is Elisha following the command of the Lord and walking with the Lord and, and going on with the Lord. And Acts 2, 41, it says, and, and all those who received the word of God were baptized. All those who received the word of God were baptized. All those who were saved were baptized. And there was added to the church that day around 3,000 souls. And all, every one of them souls was baptized. And I want to encourage you in the joy of the Lord, to do as the Lord commanded, nothing else. Don't think a minister is given a rant that you need to be baptized. I am not one bit interested in ranting at you about being baptized. I'm just saying, listen, if you want to be a disciple of the Lord, this is what it says. This is what it says. All those who received the word of God were baptized and added to the church that day. Amen. The sixth lesson then, and the last lesson you'll be able to say amen to, is seen in verse 9. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter what Pentecostal, 
Presbyterian, whatever you think you are, the scriptures teach us that the early church was spirit-filled and the present-day church must be spirit-filled. It's not a denominational title at all. And don't let the enemy tell you that lie. There's many of the brethren that I knew were spirit-filled and overflowing with the things of God. We need to be spirit-filled. And when they had crossed the Jordan, Elijah says to Elisha, ask what it is that I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha says to Elijah, please let there be a double portion of the spirit, your spirit upon me. See, Elisha recognized the anointing upon the life and ministry of Elijah. And sometimes what people do, they look at men, they look at women, they think, oh, look at their anointing. Look at how good they are. It's the anointing. It's not how good they are at all. It's, the, it's their anointing. It's the path that they walk and the calling that God has called them to. And Elijah recognized that there's a need for him not to imitate Elijah, but to be anointed himself. See, training has its part. But training without the anointing will achieve little in the kingdom of God. Amen. We've got Pastor Ben training as a minister with us. We can train him all day long. If he doesn't seek the anointing, his ministry will be fruitless. As will mine and as will yours. Training has a great part. This man spent six to ten years, if you want to get the broadest consensus of it, but certainly between six and eight years training on to this man. But without the anointing, the training means nothing in the kingdom of God. Elisha understood this truth that he could never carry on the work of Elijah's ministry without the anointing. Now, church, seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit and walk in it daily. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I find the, the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays of the week a wee bit more difficult than the Sundays. And I talk openly about this, and there's something about the, the prayer meeting that I can sense God easier when I'm with you praying than I do when I'm in my study. But I, I've learned that in my study or in my private place that I do more communion with God and I wrestle with God and I talk about things with God, but which I wouldn't necessarily talk about with God when we're together. But there's something freer when I'm, when I'm praying with you in the, in the meetings. You know, we understand that, don't we? It's easier to pray together, is what I'm trying to say. But, but we need to seek after these things and after that, that anointing to walk on it daily, that the Mondays and the Tuesdays will not be as difficult for us. And Alicia sought this anointing. Now, this is what it says, verse 11. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire, now notice the key words, fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. So fire is the key word. Then it separated them. It says it drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was then carried by a whirlwind into heaven. And verse 13 says, Elisha picked up Elijah's uh, cloak, which is mantle, which had fallen and, and was taken up when he was taken up. Now, them key words there that I highlighted for me was whirlwind, the fire, and the falling of the mantle, the, the cloak, the anointing. Then, draw your mind's eye to Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit of Pentecost fell upon the early church in that upper room. Now, we're nearly finished now, so stay with me to see this wee bit. And we read this in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together, the people of God. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, listen, they, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's wonderful. 
And here we see in the life of Elisha a preparation through discipleship for that higher calling to receive the anointing. And he passed the tests and he received that double portion from God. And then when he was ready, you see, through this discipleship to trust in God, without relying on Elijah, when he was fully himself, when he could walk and say, this is who I am. I'm not Elijah. I'm Elisha. But I am doing the same ministry as we are, the same call of ministry. Church, many want the anointing without the preparation. There was a time in my life that I wanted the anointing, but I didn't want to put the work in. I remember, I don't know if any of you remember Hillsborough Bible Week. I remember going up as a young Christian, waiting to be dabbed. <laughs> Come on, dab me. And I seen your man over there shaking like, I don't know what. And I seen your woman over there lying on her back shaking. I'm going, Lord, where's my shaking? Where's my anointing? And, and I was a wee bit cute and stubborn. I had seen enough nonsense in the world. I'm not saying that was nonsense, but I'd seen enough nonsense in the world. And I was a wee bit stubborn. And the Lord had to work a wee bit on me to, 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 for me to really be me, you see. I'd spent my life with, with fronts. Didn't know who I was. But so many walls in front of me. I didn't know who I was. And God had to break them. And I had to break them in my spiritual life. I realized that, Neil, you've work to do, son. You're not ready to be a prophet. You're not ready to be a minister of God. Your life is far from ready. But you're going to come on a journey. And I remember I was broken. I don't know how long into my, in my salvation, but a man come up to me at a meeting and he says, listen, son, the Lord's given me a word for your life. Your life's like a ball of string and it's all tangled up. And he wants you to know that he's, step by step, he's undoing that and he's taking out the knots. And I'm telling you, it broke me because it was a picture of what was going on. Turmoil. There's a preparation. And, but Lord, I just want the anointing. Lord, I just want to speak in tongues and I want to see people saved. But Neil, you need to walk the path first, son. And for some of you, you're maybe desiring the anointing. But there's a journey, and that's okay. Walk on the journey. He has to prepare you to be a man, be a woman of God. You have to learn to be yourself, you know. Not everybody in this congregation is comfortable in who they are. It's easy to hide behind the cover of Elijah's in our life. And for some of you, you have to learn to be who God has called you to be. For others, you have to resist the urge to to fill your life with things that aren't of God. That temptation that comes when, it's not about a midweek. Don't get the midweek out of your head. I mean in general, with the things of God, God's house and them sorts of places, you see. Many want the anointing, but not everybody wants the preparation. But they both come hand in hand. And there is a deeper anointing, and there is a higher calling, and there is a preparation. Amen. I think I'm finished.